Hey, New Life Church, we're so glad you joined us this week on our digital campus. My name is Kevin McManus. I'm the digital campus pastor, and I just want to welcome you today. Listen, if this is your first time on, or maybe you've been here a couple months, and you would love to know more about New Life Church, I would love to connect with you. If you'll just text CONNECT, you'll see it right underneath me. Text CONNECT to 88000. We will follow up with you and get you connected. You can learn more about our church. Listen, today's going to be a lot of fun. We got James Bennett from our Cabot campus. He's our campus pastor there. He's been with New Life for 16 years, man. This guy is a veteran, but he is an amazing leader, amazing pastor. You're going to want to lean in and take some notes today, I promise you. But before we go into the message, we're going to have a time of worship. So come on, let's pray before we go into worship. God, I thank you so much for this day. God, I pray that you would visit us. God, may your presence come in our homes, God, in our cars, wherever we are, Lord, as we're watching this. Lord, I pray that you would minister to us, God, Lord, as we need it. God, I pray for the ones that might be watching today. They're desperate for a touch from you, God, and I pray today would be that day. So, Lord, we give you this message. We give you our worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, New Life, let's worship right now.
everybody. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Kevin and Pastor Rick for letting me come and hang out with the digital campus today. So glad to be on here with you. Uh, so thankful for Pastor Kevin. I know how much he loves you. He and his family are amazing, and I'm excited about everything that God is doing through this campus. I also want to give you just a brief update on Pastor Rick. He is doing much better. Uh, in fact, I feel like I think he's pretty much completely healed up from the virus, but he is still in quarantine. And if you know anything about Pastor Rick, being in quarantine is an even bigger struggle than actually dealing with the virus itself. So with all that being said, please pray for Michelle because she's stuck with him in quarantine. Uh, so we appreciate you praying for both of them. And pray for all of us pastors too because anytime Pastor Rick gets a break, he usually comes back with fresh vision that usually means we're all gonna work a lot more than we normally would be. So you can pray for us as well. Uh, but hey, we, we've been in this study of the life of Christ. I hope you've been enjoying it. Uh, last week, we heard an amazing message on the subject of mercy. And I'd encourage you to go back and check that out when you get a chance. Uh, but I would just have this thought. Why is it that Jesus extended the mercy that he did to us and that he does give to us every day? I think a lot of times we can be so thankful for that grace, that mercy, that forgiveness and all that. But the thing is, Jesus didn't just come to give us that and then leave us there. He gave us that mercy so that we could turn around and also give that mercy to other people. And so today I want to teach on something that I think gives a good example for us of how we give mercy or more specifically compassion to the people around us. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 6. And in this chapter, uh, I'm going to be specifically teaching on the feeding of the 5,000, a pretty well-known story within this. I want to go to how this day ended, though, first. It says in Mark chapter 6, verse 42, they all ate and were satisfied. How many of you appreciate being satisfied? I've noticed that especially in our culture, a lot of people are chasing things that they think are going to bring satisfaction to them, but it doesn't. But these people are satisfied. It's, it's much more than just that they're satisfied physically, though. I think it's more to do with the wholeness of Christ. And they picked up 12 full basket, baskets of broken pieces. And we'll talk about the significance of that. So I want to set this up. This is one of the most packed days of ministry for Jesus to this point. In the life of Christ, uh, I would encourage you, though, if you ever get a chance, go to a presidential library and look at the schedule of a president. They a lot of times will have what their schedule look like uh, displayed, so you can see exactly what a day in the life of a president would look like. And if you'll notice, man, it is packed. It is appointment after appointment from the day, from the moment they wake up to the end of the day. Uh, there's really no wiggle room. Their their day is purposeful. Everything has an intentional purpose. Well, I want you to think about that in relation to Jesus. The three years of ministry that Jesus had, how much purpose had to be in every minute of every hour of every day. And Jesus is walking in that purpose, walking into the fulfillment of that. And in Mark chapter 6, this is one of his, not necessarily his biggest ministry day, but it's certainly the most packed day of ministry. Before the end of the day, Jesus will experience a lot of different things. Jesus will weep, run, shout, 
curse, not like some of you curse, but he'll curse. Uh, and he'll also praise and go through a lot of different emotions. And other than the crucifixion, I think this might be the most intense day that Jesus experiences. It's a very emotional day, but not because of what's happening to him, but because of what he's seeing happening to the people around him and his heart for them. So I want to go to verse 33, chapter 6. It says this, But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So on this day, as in many times in Jesus' ministry, he encounters this huge crowd of people, all kinds of hurting and broken people. Uh, I, I mean, thousands of people. You can imagine people being carried on mats because they're sick or crippled. I'm sure there's tons of crying babies and moms and dads trying to herd their kids through these crowds. What about the crowds of today? The truth is all of us encounter crowds every day. We walk through crowds. Uh, whether it's at the grocery store or in our neighborhoods, there are crowds around us. They may not look exactly like the crowds that Jesus is encountering, but the reality is, whether it's obvious or not, there are crowds and there are people who are hurting. I, I want to speak specifically to some of the things that we see in the different crowds, like masks. The truth is there are crowds of people that think that wearing masks right now is silly, ridiculous. But there's a, a different crowd that believes that masks are incredibly important to their health, to the health of others. But what I find is a lot of times there's not a lot of compassion for either one of those crowds from the other crowd. I think it's so important that we look at the example of Christ and although he was around people that were a mess, they were a mess emotionally, physically, spiritually, certainly, that he extended compassion without any prerequisites, without condition, he would extend compassion. So Jesus is having this roller coaster of emotions. Then, as he go, goes away, he's just going to go away to take a breath. His day turns into mayhem. I think a lot of us can relate to feeling like, man, things are going great. And then all of a sudden, mayhem. That's what this year has been. So, verse 30 says this. This is right before he encounters this crowd. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then... Because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and let's get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So it's an up and down day, extreme highs, extreme lows. I'm sure all of us have had those extreme highs and extreme lows. Uh, this year has certainly been a year of extremes. And somehow, though, in spite of all that, Jesus has this ability 
where he has this relaxed intensity about everything that he does. He's able to walk with so much grace through this day. And he loves these people, but, but the truth is this. He's at a point right now where he just needs an evening where he can just chill out. So that's his intention with the disciples. So he pushes off shore, but the crowds are watching as he's sailing out, and they're following him along the shore. They wanted to hear from him so badly. They needed so badly to receive what he had that they were willing to run or walk miles to position themselves to be ministered to by him. So here's the deal. You, you may have had a church where you liked the preaching decently, but I doubt there was ever a Sunday where you woke up and you're like, you know what, I think I'm going to run to church today. That preaching's so good. I just, a little 5K before church, I think that'd be great. Not, none of you have done that. In fact, a lot of you may even be wearing your pajamas still. But these people were desperate to get around the things of Jesus. And I think as we look at this miracle, it's one of the biggest miracles that we encounter. In fact, it's in all four Gospels. We can see how Jesus affects and sees our everyday lives, but he also gives this ultimate example of how we serve others' needs. So as you follow in the life of Christ, you're going to see an example. And one of the examples we can see in this story is how Jesus gives compassion. Jesus gives compassion. We've already talked about this comparison to what it was like around Jesus' ministry in comparison to the Old Testament law. And how the Old Testament law essentially just kept anybody that was struggling with almost anything at a distance. Whether that was a sin issue or a disease or whatever it would be, the Old Testament law wouldn't even allow those people to come near to a place where they could be made right. But then we have the example of Jesus where he is in the middle of the mess of people's lives, right there in the middle of it. You know, I, I would venture to say that some of us, unintentionally maybe, we still live under the law. And what I mean by that is the way we look at other people, the way we think about other people, we want to keep them at a distance whether it's their sin, their opinion, their perspective, their politics, whatever it may be, we keep them at a distance. We're not interested in getting into the mess of working through the relationship that it would take to have those people feel loved, to have those people feel accepted. This is what I love about Jesus. Even at your worst, he will always give compassion. You may be completely messed up, but Jesus will still reach out to you. Have you ever felt like you were an inconvenience to someone? It's one of the worst feelings in the world. Like just feeling like you're in the way. I know there's been times when I've come before the Lord. I'm sure some of you have as well, where you're just like, God, God, I know you're busy. It's kind of a lot going on. It's a big world, a lot of need. 
So I hate to bring this to you. I hate to bring this to you again. I hate to bring this issue to you again for the 6,000th time where I'm bringing this issue that I just haven't been able to get past or deal with. I'm sure we've felt like we've inconvenienced God. But I think about my kids. Look, it's a struggle sometimes being around family. It's a struggle sometimes being around my kids. But I can't think of a time ever where I was just like, ah, ugh, they're just such an inconvenience. It's like every day they have to eat. Uh, every day I got to make sure that they've got clothes to wear. Ugh, how frustrating. No parent, no parent worth any worth would think that way. God certainly is not thinking that way about you. In Psalm 50, 15, it says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I'll deliver you, and you will honor me. Jesus is not like any of our selfishness. Even when you feel like you're inconveniencing him, he's not frustrated. You're not a hassle. He's not tired of you. He's not like the religious leaders of the time. In this verse, it says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. But here's the thing. They, it wasn't that they didn't have spiritual leaders. It's that their spiritual leaders were religious. And some of us have had really rough experiences with religious people where we can't live up to their standards. They always make us feel like we're not worth it or that we're failing, reminding us of how bad we are. If I'm being totally honest, I've struggled with religion. I've struggled with being legalistic, being critical of people. But I just want you to know that Jesus was not insecure like that, and he's not insecure like that. He was compassionate. In verse 35, it says, By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. I love just the boldness and the challenge that Jesus gives them. But the disciples are thinking, look, this meeting's gone way too long. Like, we need to shut the service down. These people are hungry, and they need to go home. But the disciples were actually thinking about themselves, not about the people. And they certainly aren't thinking about the heart of Jesus. The truth is you will always try to get rid of people when you don't have the heart of Christ. Many Christians think that the cost is too much. Maybe even specifically like the cost of reaching souls. It's too much. It's too difficult. But I want you to know that the compassion of Christ will never be distracted by what makes sense. 
Jesus is trying to teach the disciples and all of us as readers, if you wish to be like me, then you have to take care of people. So here's Jesus teaching 5,000 men. Most theologians would believe that that doesn't include all the women and children. So somewhere between 15 to 20,000 people probably. This is a huge crowd. In verse 37, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? So in, in today's economics, this would be equivalent to thirty to $50,000. So they're saying this with a very sarcastic tone, like, this is ridiculous, Jesus. Like, we, we can't spend that kind of money. So these guys are talking to each other like, Jesus has no idea these people are hungry. You know, Jesus, the Son of God, it's late for crying out loud. Somebody go tell him. Jesus has compassion, but Jesus also knows your limit without him. He knows our limits without him. Your abilities are the wrong measuring stick. Most of us feel insecure in what God calls us to do, and the truth is this you probably should feel insecure if you're going to try to do it without Jesus. I think there's a lot of things that can be intimidating to us. I remember when we had our first child, London. I remember when she was born, and honestly, we had a lot of confidence getting out of the hospital, putting her in her new car seat. Like, we feel like, man, we're nailing this. We're amazing parents. We've been parents for at least 24 hours at this point. But I remember getting her home and, and taking her out and putting her in her bassinet. And, and there was this just this moment, this surreal moment where actually, I don't know if my wife Cody and I even said anything, but we just looked and realized, oh my goodness, we're in charge of a human being. And raising kids... That's one of the most humbling and daunting things in my life. I think about the vision of our church. I think about the vision that God gave Pastor Rick of 50 campuses. And, and, and over the years, how many times we knew that God was asking us to do something else. And, and thinking about, man, this is intimidating. This is difficult. This seems way too big way too much. The cost seems too great. But the truth is, we knew that God was with us. You will often feel small next to the challenge that Christ has for your life. And I think that that's important because if you don't, maybe it's not a Jesus-sized dream. Just like the disciples, you can forget that Jesus is in the challenge with you. He didn't just give it to you and then leave you. He wants to be with you in the challenge. God doesn't mind you thinking you can't do it as long as you know you can with Christ. It says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look, when you're challenged to make a difference, when you're challenged to help, never 
measure according to your own abilities. When you forget about Christ, the issue is a lot of times you will wind up casting off responsibility. You'll want someone else to be responsible. The disciples did this in verse 36. Send them away so they may go in the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Like, I think somebody else or everybody else should do it. But why couldn't the answer be, you're Jesus. (laughs) You can do it. In verse 7 of chapter 6 of John, it says, Philip replied, it would take a small fortune to feed them. Well, Jesus loves the impossible. He's not intimidated by it. Some of you are in an impossible situation right now. And I want to encourage you that every time you face terrible odds in life, God didn't cause that necessarily to happen, but I do believe that God wants to use it as a test. But you can know this. God never tests you to grade you, but he will test you to grow you. Because a lot of times in, when it seems that it's impossible, really what's happening is it's stretching and strengthening undeveloped faith inside of us. So how about right now? If you were to write down some of the impossible things that you feel like you may be facing in your life, and then as you looked at those, there's one that sticks out to you that feels fairly consuming. What if every day, what if every morning around the life of Christ and around this devotion, you just simply invited Jesus into that thing, into whatever it is that seems impossible, and asked him to show himself mighty. Don't measure things in your life according to what you can do, but according to what Christ can do with you. There was an engineering school in California, and they gave their students this problem. How long should it take a three-pound roast in an oven at 325 degrees to warm the center to 150 degrees? Each one of the students had a different approach. One student just began immediately doing experiments, just trying different things. Another kid went out and bought a roast, an oven, a thermometer, and a watch. Another kid was like a mathematical genius and just started working an equation to figure out the answer. But one of the students finished in about three minutes. And they asked, how were you able to do this so quickly? He answered with, well, I just called mom. She knows how to cook roast. Oftentimes in life, The answers to the biggest problems that you face are not figured out logically or rationally. They're figured out relationally. It's by going to God and going to the body of Christ that you find help and answers. That's why biblical community and life groups is so vital. 
Because at one point or another, you're going to need help. And that's when you can go to them and say, look, I'm not measuring up. and I need some help. Jesus can take something small and make a miracle. Mark 6, 38. How many loaves do you have? Go look. In John 6, 8, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Now, here's the thing. Andrew should have just stopped with the first part of this sentence. Like if he would have just stopped earlier with, we got five loaves and two fish, and then hand them to Jesus to be like, Jesus, do your thing. Bam. He would have been the, the hero of faith in this story, but he didn't start there. He went on to say, but what good is that to this huge crowd? Honestly, what I don't like about this is it reminds me of me. Like sometimes I make these really strong, bold statements of faith, but then add to them. Like, God, God can do anything if he really wants to. I know exactly why I do this, and, and possibly it's the same reason why you do it too. It's because I want to protect myself. I want to give myself an out instead of just remaining full of faith. Listen, that's not leading. Leading says, let's look at this through the eyes of faith period. Not fear, not pride, just believing that God is who he says he is. Andrew and Philip struggled to stretch their faith, but maybe in a little bit of a different way. Two perspectives with the same wrong answer. Philip says, it'll cost too much. Andrew says, we have too little, but they didn't realize that putting just a little putting a small thing in Jesus' hands becomes much. So this one kid says, look, I've got five loaves and two fish. And some might say, how foolish of this kid to think that his lunch could feed this whole crowd, but we know he's the smartest kid there. I imagine the stories that he got to tell his grandkids they gather around, Granddad, tell us the story again. How you helped feed thousands of people. Well, here's how it worked, guys. I had my Lunchable there, and I was like, he's Jesus, and he's been doing lots of miracles, so he can multiply my Lunchable, feed everybody. Think about the faith in the child. But also think about the generosity. I don't know about you, but like, if I was that kid, I started looking around like everybody's hungry, and I'm the only one with food. Like, I'd be hiding that food. I'm not interested in giving it to anybody. But he saw an opportunity. I find that God rewards generosity more than just about anything else in life. 
if you decide that there's something in your life that's just too big for God, like a wayward child, situation is just too big, an illness, adopting a child, wanting to have a baby, wanting to get married to a person that loves God with all of their heart, and, but it just seems like those things have been met with a lot of discouragement, failure, to the point where maybe you'd have stopped believing that God can do it still. I just encourage you to keep taking whatever little and small faith you have, continue to put it in a capable God's hands. There's an old Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball, and he wasn't always a Sunday school teacher. In fact, he didn't feel qualified to teach Sunday school, but at one point he decided, look, I want to step up and I'm going to try this. I don't feel like I'm capable. I don't feel like I have enough knowledge or whatever it is, but I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to teach Sunday school. So eventually he teaches Sunday school and leads a young man named Dwight L. Moody to Christ. And Moody winds up becoming an evangelist and preaching to crowds of thousands and thousands of people here in the U.S. And one evening, he preached to a young man named J. Wilbur Chapman and led him to Christ. And that man wind up leading a professional baseball player to the Lord named Billy Sunday. And he became a powerful evangelist as well. One Sunday morning, a man named Mordecai Ham gave his life to Christ after listening to Billy Sunday. And Ham went on later to lead Billy Graham to the Lord. Isn't it amazing how one Sunday school teacher who didn't feel like he had much took the small amount of faith that he had and gave it to God and it affected 170 years of the Christian faith and movement in our, our nation. I want to bring this into your world because I think a lot of times we have this little sentence sometimes that plays over and over again in our minds and it goes something like this and you can fill in the blanks lots of different ways. But when I get more blank, then I'll go and do blank. Like when I get more time, then I'll go and serve more. When I get more money, I'll give more. When I get more experience, then I'll lead. When I know more about the Bible, then I'll help in ministry. But I think it's more important that we're just faithful with what we have now. Take the little that you have and give it. Verse 39 says, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus ordered. So all of the men alone numbering 5,000 sat down on the grassy slopes. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and passed them out to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish and they all ate until they were full. I love that. God can fill thousands of people with the very thing that I don't think I have enough of. Jesus will leave you with enough to carry on. The Bible says, now gather the leftovers, Jesus told his disciples, so nothing is wasted. Went from five loaves of bread 
but there were 12 extra baskets left over after feeding these thousands and thousands of people. 12 baskets, okay, that's not, it's not coincidence because there's 12 disciples. And I think Jesus wanted these disciples to carry these baskets with them for a while, to remind them to have faith, but also as a testimony to the people they'd encounter of what God did, even when it seemed impossible. Some of you, God has done some great things in your life, amazing things in your life, but you didn't carry it around very long. You didn't bring that testimony with you. I believe that God is doing a lot even now. The manna that God is giving us every day through the life of Christ, like we need to carry that with us daily. I mentioned earlier that the reason why I felt like this is such an appropriate response to the message last week on mercy was because God wants us to experience forgiveness, His mercy, His grace, all those things, salvation. But it was never Jesus' intention for us to be saved and then left. He saved us so that we could fulfill purpose. And I think it's very important as we understand the compassion that we've received that we turn around and give it. In 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. God wants us to be people of compassion. We live in a day and age where it's so vital that the, that the church, the Christ followers, are showing that example. But the truth is this, you cannot give what you do not have. And so it begins with an acceptance of the compassion that Jesus shared, that mercy. And I just wanna pray today that if there's anyone listening that hasn't surrendered their life to Jesus and received that compassion, received that comfort, that healing, that forgiveness, that you can do that right now. Wherever you're listening, let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would invade the space wherever those people are that are listening right now that are feeling led by your Spirit to make a decision for you. And I thank you that as they come to you with humble, sincere hearts and admit that their life is full of mistakes, your word calls it sin and they can't save themselves from it. But as they take the little amount of faith that they have in that moment and put it in the hands of a capable God, that you're faithful to respond. And I thank you, Lord, as they ask for forgiveness and as they realize that you don't want to just forgive them, but you want to give them purpose, that they're going to live the rest of their life for you and not for themselves, not for the world, which means they're going to have to repent and turn away from where they've been and turn towards you. 
And I thank you, God, that as they surrender their life to you, you're going to lead them by your spirit and the power of your word and get them connected to biblical community so that they can learn and grow what it means to not just receive grace and mercy and compassion, but to give it. Thank you, Lord, for meeting them where they're at, for being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, family, we're going to go back into worship now. Let's worship him with spirit and truth, with all that we have.
what a powerful message by Pastor James today. Listen, if you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to know about it. If you'll just text NEXT to 88000, just fill that out, text it on there, let us know how we can serve you better and walk alongside of you in this new decision you made to follow Christ. Speaking of Christ, man, I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying diving through the life of Jesus together as a church. If you haven't joined us, we would love for you to join today. All you have to do is text Jesus to this number right now underneath me, and tomorrow morning you will get a devotional at 6 a.m., and you can start along this journey with us. It's gonna be amazing. Well, today as we take our tithes and offerings, listen, I wanna share a cool story that happened right here in our state last week. Several of our campuses who are connected to CityServe, who is doing a huge thing in our state, they were able to give out food to a lot of people this past week. It's called Farmers to Families where we are taking food that is donated through CityServe and able to reach out and feed people all over our state. And we just wanna say thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving to New Life Church to make things like this happen. So as we end the day, we're gonna pray for another church right now and also wanna pray a prayer of blessing over you. So come on, let's do it. Father, I thank you for Zeal Church, God, and Pastor Michael Dearman. God, I pray just blessings over him and his staff and his people. God, as they reach their community for you, Lord. And God, I also just pray a prayer of blessing over everybody watching and everybody's children and maybe young adults are watching, college-age students. God, we just pray health over everybody right now in Jesus' name. God, be with us in this crazy season. Protect us, Lord. And God, we thank you for what you're doing, God, through the life of Christ. And we thank you for the daily devotionals that we're getting and how we're growing like crazy in you. So Lord, I pray that you be with everybody today. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, can't wait to see you next week. Glad you were on today. And man, let's dive through the life of Christ this week in our daily devos. Have an amazing day.